You're listening to Faith Community Church's weekly podcast. We hope this week's message from God is insightful and an inspiration to you. With that, I'm going to invite Nick to come up here and join me, but I get to read God's Word. Um, Nick, as he's coming up, is part of our preaching team. Some of you who are new may not know, Nick is a guy who used to serve as a youth pastor here at our church. Used to, but had a heart from God to launch a ministry for teens yes. in in our our city, and has come up with this mission called Flow Loves You Incorporated, and it's an foundation. Incro- foundation, yeah, not incorporated. Incorporated. That, that sounds that real makes sick. you sound too exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're really thrilled that he and Lindsay and their family are part of our church, and that he could be a part of the preaching team. So yeah. if I can, let me read. Please today's do. the scripture. So John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more he visited in Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come out and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. This is God's word. Thank you, my dude. Let's pray before we jump into this morning. God, thanks for for this moment. It is a gift, and uh, and I'm honored to, to be here and get to share your word with your people and ask that you would have your way. You do whatever you want to do and say whatever you want to say and show whatever you want to show, God, to us. If you choose to do that through me, great. If, if not, and you're, you're the best, so do what you do. And would you help us respond to you the way that you want us to respond, God? Because when we respond to you in the way you want us to respond, the best things happen. So we pray for those best things, those things that you hear about. And may we walk away knowing you more, knowing what you're like a little bit more and knowing you more intimately. I wholeheartedly believe that you have something really special for us as a community, but also as individuals. You want to have individual conversations with us this morning, God, so um, do that through your word. You are the best. We love you and we pray all this in your great name. Amen. 
So it's been a minute since um, I've been up here. I think the last time that I got an opportunity to speak, we were still wearing masks. I was coming up here wearing a mask and then taking it off. And so um, it, I think since the fall was the last time. Apparently, um, I've been suspended since then. So <laughs> suspension's up and I get to be back. I'm super, super, super stoked for that. So I realize that it's also probably the first time some of you have ever heard um, me speak or share Um, As Andy said, my name is Nick, and something that you should know about me is that I kind of love karaoke. Um, You should also know that I'm the janitor of this building. Um, So if you happen upon the building late Friday night, you might catch me in full go mode. Now keep in mind, my go mode looks significantly different than Andy's go mode that he, if you were here last week, um, got to hear a little bit about like what Andy's go mode looks like. It's, it's very driven. It's very like task oriented. He gets a lot of stuff done too. I get a lot of stuff done too. When I'm in go mode, my go mode is just extra because that's, that's just me. It's just, it's kind of extra mode because that's really what it is. I'm extra by nature. My wife can attest to that. Um, but give me a song that I love to sing, and I turn that extra up to about 11. Um, which, because my wife like, does not get pop culture references, she's like, 11 is not even that high a volume. And I'm like, what? what? It's a Spinal Tap reference. What? Oh, I've never seen that movie. She wouldn't like it anyway. It's fine. Some people have a couple of songs. Now, let's just say I'm your life coach, right? And uh, you're coming to me for lots of like life-giving advice. Our first session, you might not necessarily walk away with life goals, but you're guaranteed to walk away with at least one or two songs to always have in your back pocket in case you happen upon a karaoke bar that's just begging you to come in, okay? It's, It's the kind of value that you're going to get if I'm your life coach. I'm not a life coach, but if I were... Those would kind of be the value that would be adding to your life. Because as your life coach, I'm going to want you to have the most fun with your life. And if you've ever seen anyone have a terrible time either watching karaoke or doing karaoke, the answer is obviously no. Change my mind. Um, But karaoke, I really do believe, is a gift from heaven. Like, I have playlists in mind, literally playlists in mind, uh, for whenever the occasion happens to present itself to bust out in some popular song, depending on the crowd, mind you, because the crowd is really, really important. It's like Frontman 101, you need to read the crowd, know the crowd in which you are performing in front of, right? And, And to be honest, Though I love karaoke, I don't always remember all the words to some of my favorite songs. That's why I rely heavily on the crowd to pick up where I have left off. I mean, seriously, because I don't know, I could be, say, invited to an all-ladies party, okay? And these are like mid-40s, early 50s. I know they're going to love Wilson Phillips. (laughs) Because someday somebody's going to make you want to turn around and say goodbye. Until then, baby, you're going to want to let them hold you down and make you cry. Don't you know things will change? Janelle knows this entire album (laughs) by heart. Or perhaps I'm deep in the inner city, much like I was years back for a friend's bachelor party. And the most, most amazing song was literally, the most perfect song was begging, begging to be performed. So 
I got up and I performed um, the Humpty Dance by Digital Underground. All right, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin. Does anybody else know? Yeah, what you're used to. I look funny, which is true, but y'all making money, see? So y'all want to help you ready for me. So gather around. I'm the new fool in town and my sound's laid down by the underground. It's like the greatest thing to ever come out of the Bay Area since the Oakland A's. My top 10 uh, go-to songs vary from 80s to 90s girl pop, and pretty much that's it. Uh, Which you might be asking at this point, man, uh, how does this bit of information have anything to do with this morning's message? (laughs) It's simple because these miracles and these signs that we're studying in this series, right, are all pointing to this Jesus, the Messiah, the one who's come to rescue. This series is highlighting all these different events, right, where heaven is invading earth, which is the thing that the Jews believed that only happened inside the temple. And here we have this Jesus walking around doing heaven things on earth, which obviously brings to mind the Belinda Carlisle song, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Like if there was a theme song for this entire series, it would literally be that song. But all jokes aside, all all jokes aside, you might be thinking like this is the loosest tie-in to a message that I've ever heard. And you wouldn't be wrong if that's where we were just going to stop. But thankfully it's not. Because last week, Andy shared with us out of John chapter 2, the very first miracle that Jesus performed publicly, turning the water into wine, essentially turning a already party that was up even more up. The first miracle that he had done, which can I point out that if you add water, if you see me add, add wine to a party, it's just going to get louder. And though they didn't necessarily have karaoke in the ancient Middle Eastern times, you know that they had familiar songs, right? And they would be singing louder and louder and louder. And maybe somebody performed them better. Even if they didn't necessarily know all the words, the crowd would join in and it would be this fun moment. This first miracle, though, it, it got me thinking about how Jesus must have been feeling at that time. Like it was, this, it was this, this, this tension of both excitement, but also like heart-pounding terror. On one hand, it meant that heaven was colliding with earth, which was wonderful and the plan all along. But it also meant that the cross Jesus would eventually bear was even closer The tension that this Jesus must have been living with at this moment, the tension of knowing full well that what this miracle would have meant and what it would unleash. Because it's not like this was like old hat. This was the first time and there's nothing like the first time, right? There's nothing like it. So you have God in the flesh who it was like, you have to imagine, also nervous, You can almost feel what the Lord must have been feeling at that moment. And this miracle, this first miracle, it wasn't a standalone. If anything, it was a signpost. And that's really what John does. He illustrates these miracles, these signs as like signposts, like pointing to the next one. But really what it's pointing to, it's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to the one who is doing these miracles. These signs are pointing not to the, to the next sign, but they're pointing to the, to the person Jesus, 
They're signposts with an arrow, if you will, pointing to the next one. And the, and the next one, this next miracle happens to be just a few chapters later. And it's the, it's the passage that we're going to be studying this morning. But in John chapter two, Mary says this like super Jewish mom thing. Like I can picture like my mom's not Jewish. I'm not Jewish, but like I can imagine like, like Jewish moms, Greek moms and Italian moms. They're all like really, really tight together. And just like their, their, their personalities, I guess. Because Jesus, you know, his mom comes up and it's like, hey, they're all out of wine. And he's like, woman, my time hasn't arrived. And then she's like, just do whatever he's going to tell you to do. Like, I can totally see my mom doing that. And, 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 and I wonder if the father in this story that we study this morning caught wind of this story, caught wind of this miracle that started out by, by Jesus' mom saying, just do whatever he's going to tell you to do. I'm curious if this father in today's story caught wind of this first miracle and in his desperation just had to come and see Jesus just to do whatever he tells him to do. John writes in the text, at the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee and he himself had said that a prophet is is not honored in his own hometown, yet the Galileans welcomed him for they were in Jerusalem at Passover celebration and had seen everything that he did there. Now, to understand a little bit of the backstory as to where they'd been the last two days, as it says in the text, well, they were hanging out with a bunch of Samaritans. They were, and and they were coming to believe in Jesus as the Messiah in droves. And the reason that they were uh, there was because Jesus happened to cross paths with this outcasted lady at a well in the middle of the day when it's super hot. And they had this conversation, and Jesus tells her who she really is, and she wants to avoid it altogether. So he then tells her who he really is, and she kind of gets it, but not really. But Jesus is kind of used to that. But apparently she got it enough that she went back to her village, completely changed and confident all of a sudden. Mind you, she's getting water from a well in the middle of the day. Confident women don't do that. And this changed woman goes back to her village, goes back to her town, and confidently speaks of, you need to meet this guy who knew everything about me, loved me the same. You need to meet him. You need to see him. Because something wild happened in my life just a few moments ago up on this hill. Apparently, she got it enough. So Jesus makes all of his disciples reluctantly stay with their historical enemies, the Samaritans. And from there, they minister and share a bunch of heaven-like things right there in their midst. And it was wonderful. And they're back now in Jesus' hometown area, which is interesting because the text says that a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. So are they honoring him or are they not? Yes and no. They're welcoming Jesus, sure. But it's a bit superficial, and Jesus knows this. You see, the Galileans, they, they love their miracles. Who doesn't love miracles? Miracles are, are, are awesome. I personally have never seen a miracle, boom, like happen right there. But I've heard of them. I, I, I love them. I've seen like long-term, I guess, miracles happen. I mean, I have my firstborn son's a freaking miracle. We weren't supposed to be able to have kids, and then we were able to have four. That's mind-boggling. It's something we do not take for granted. It also didn't just like happen. 
I've had friends who have like prayed, been prayed for and stuff and their leg actually grew and they got to see their leg grow. I've never seen that before, but I believe it to be true. It's a, it, it, it's, it's a miracle. It's amazing. The Galileans, they love their miracles. They loved it when things were getting restored back into order and who doesn't? When there is order, life can become a bit more predictable, a bit more manageable. Life is good when order is restored. And Jesus was beginning to get this name for himself as as this one who was restoring order in a broken world. But here's his catch. As we'll hear in Jesus' response to the Father, they were more interested in the restoring of order than they were the one doing the restoring. They were honestly more wowed and more intrigued by the signs than they were about the one that the signs were even pointing to. Could you imagine that? Like you have this gigantic monument. It's like, it's right over there, but they're all stoked in the sign. Wow, look how beautiful it is. Like the way the, 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 the craftsmanship of the sign is just like all held together. It's absolutely incredible. I'm just going to hang out here. I don't even need to actually see the thing. I'm just going to look at the sign. It was like that. They liked the magic uh, show more than they liked the one who was making it happen. And now Jesus is obviously aware of this. I mean, he's constantly speaking in the language of heaven while we're hearing it through the language of earth. He was quite used to this. And we saw this with the woman at the well. She wanted water. He said that he had living water. She said that she wanted something of it so that she would never have to come up to the well in the middle of the day again because, well, this is terrible. She wanted her thirst to be quenched and Jesus wanted her entire life to be changed because once we drink the living water that Jesus gives, we can't help but be forever changed by it. John continues that they traveled through Galilee and Jesus came to Canaan where he had turned the water into wine like Andy spoke of last week. And there was this government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. And when he had heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. I was just having this conversation with Ruth earlier this morning as she was praying for me. Because one of the questions this morning is this, have you ever been so desperate that you knew exactly what to ask God for? Have you ever been so desperate that you knew exactly what you needed? Perhaps that is the gift or it is a gift of desperation. It is when we are absolutely desperate, do we have eyes to see what we really need in that very moment? Perhaps for the first time in a very long time, this, I have to imagine, you know, this is, this is, this is a, an official, right? This is an important man. He has important things to do. He's probably very busy. Maybe if his job wasn't so important, he would have more time to spend with his family. I don't know. I'm just taking like liberty, like the title of this man. This was an official. Who knows how present of a father he was? And yet we have this very, very, very clear moment where the father saw nothing else but his son dying in bed and the rumor of this rabbi that seems to bring heaven things to earth. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty worn out. 
So even just the slightest of like heaven-like things coming to earth, just, oh, they feel really good. They, they fill me up a bit, yeah? Verse 48, Jesus asked this question. Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Now keep in mind, this is a question for the Father. It's not a statement. It doesn't read, you'll never believe in me. It reads, will you never believe in me unless? And Jesus answers his question with a question. It's almost like Jesus is saying healing is, is easy. Miracles, easy. Believe in me. That's the hard part because when you believe in me, I'm all you get because I am all you need. With or without the healing. But like any desperate parent begging for help with their child, the father begs more. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. I wonder how many of us are praying this prayer right now. But substituting little boy for whatever it is you you need right now. Lord, please come now before my marriage dies. Lord, please come now before my business dies, before my family dissolves, before my career is over, before my life is over. Lord, please come now before, like, what is it for you? Before I lose my mind with them again, before I quit, before I give up on all of this. What are you so desperate for Jesus to come and heal right now? Verse 50, then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Jesus didn't answer the man's prayer and plea like he wanted him to. He told the man what he needed to do, and the man believed him. In another translation, it says, the man believed the very word of Jesus. At the very word of Jesus, he believed. Almost like the answer, almost like an answer to Jesus' first question, right? Like, I guess he didn't need to see a miracle in order to believe. He just needed to be told what to do next. And with that, the man believed. I'm curious. What is Jesus saying to you right now? What has the Holy Spirit been telling you to do next? It might not even be what you've asked him for, but it's what he's telling you to do. And are you going to believe him and trust him with the process? Or beg more and more that he really needs to come so that that doesn't die? But don't you know already that he's always with you? He's always with us. He didn't need to go to the man's house in order to heal the son. All Jesus needed to do was speak the very words, and it was so. Because when heaven invades, 
earth. It has no boundaries. Verse 51. While the man was on his way home, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. And then the father realized that this is the very time that Jesus had told him, your son will live. And here's the best part. And his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. His entire household believed in Jesus. I want to invite the Nye family to come up as we uh, close out this morning. As they come up, I want to invite you to close your eyes. Not for any kind of like mind trickery other than just to quiet ourselves even more in this quiet space. That is a, unless if, if closing your eyes is a distraction for you, then don't do that. Then, then open your eyes. But think about these words. I can't help but wonder how much of heaven is being held back right now because of, because we have yet to believe. I can't help but wonder how much of heaven is waiting to be released on our lives, our neighbors' lives, our school campuses, our families, our marriages, and our children. Because God being the ultimate gentleman, he is never going to force himself into relationship with us nor will he force us into believing him at his word, though I wish he would at times. We have to decide if we are going to do that or not. I can't help but think that there are worlds yet to be discovered for us because we desperately want a miracle, and yet the Lord is simply asking, when are you going to believe me? When are you going to believe that I am enough and that you have all that you need in me? I think the challenge for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for quite some time is to be like, oh yeah, I believe. I believe in Jesus. most things. I believe in Jesus can fix like most of the broken stuff in my life, but I, I, I take care of this part. What is that part that you're trying to take care of that just frankly isn't working? And maybe we've even stopped like praying and asking God for his help in that arena because we've become so I don't know, used to (laughs) just taking care of it on our own. 
And it's not a comparison, friends. It's not like, well, the thing that I take care of isn't nearly as big as the thing that, that they're taking care of. It's not about that. Like, don't, don't let that distract you. Or, man, the thing that I've been taking care of and the thing that I've been through is so much bigger than, than somebody else's that, that, like, nobody really understands what I'm going through. This Jesus does, and he sees you. He sees the outcasted lady, and he meets her, and he sees the, the official the really important job. I mean, could you have any more like both ends of the spectrum and in, in just a couple of stories apart from each other? He sees each of us. What is your desperate need? Lord, please come before this thing dies. Lord, please come and would you help me believe? Would you help us, God, believe? I love that saying that, that Graham Cook says, it takes God to love God. <laughs> it took you working in that father's life for him to believe. He didn't just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, get to, I get to think that now I'm going I'm to choose to believe. Like, like he, he chose to believe, but, but it was your work in his life that, that caused him to believe. So Lord, even if we feel like hopeless and are like, I don't even know how to believe, like you're going to help us in that. Thank you for, for, for taking care of everything. Thank you, Jesus, for like that, that being such a beautiful picture. Like you really are enough. Have your way, God, in our healing. May we enter into uh, deeper intimacy with you as we continue to worship this morning. It's in your name we pray and trust. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org. Thank you.